Yo, what is up? Welcome back. This is the Jake Podcast, episode 68. Thank you all for coming back to the podcast. I know it's been a while, and I appreciate your continued support. You're probably wondering what took me so long. Probably wondering, what have I been up to? Where have I been? What's with these acoustics you hear right now? Yeah, it's a little different this week. And yeah, it's been a been a minute, but I've had some busy things. And all of those questions you have can be summed up in the biggest move of my life. And it's been buying a house. That's right. I am now a homeowner. I live in Asbury Park in New Jersey. And I am so thrilled about this move. It was a long time coming. I had been renting in Belmar for the last couple years and about a year ago I decided it was time to a little over a year ago actually you know I was deciding to to, uh, make the big plunge to take the next big step and uh, I'm very excited about this I love this house I'm I'm a big fan Uh, a lot of things have come up you know just small things here and there and I've had a lot of people helping me out with this transition so I really appreciate it and it's been it's been a fun ride you know Last couple years renting in Belmar, had so much fun with all of my buddies, but this was time and uh, I'm happy I found the right place. You know, it's crazy. You can look for, you know, about a year and not find anything you like or every place you check out, you know, you find a little, you know, problem here or there or something you just can't get over or maybe the price is way too steep or maybe it's on the market and then like that it's gone. You know, there were a a lot of these things coming up in my search, but when this place hit, I uh, I checked it out immediately, and I knew, wow, this is this is my spot. You know, this is me. It's perfect for me, and I can't believe it. It all came together. So I really appreciate all the help from my parents, uh, my girlfriend, my sister, my grandparents, everyone that's given me a boost in this whole process. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm just so excited about like my future here. So this is big homeowner, and that's why the acoustics are a little off. I'm not exactly set up just yet with um, with all my podcast stuff. I'm kind of just recording on a couch right now. But I mean, I missed you guys. I missed putting out some content. I let the movie reviews log up. I I let football go basically a month plus without saying anything. So there are a lot of things to get to. But, uh, you know, with work being really busy at the end of the year, the holidays kind of taking up a lot of time, the fact that I was moving this whole time, it you know what? I needed to put a little bit of the podcast in the rear view. But I am back. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the continued support. And you know what? Without further ado, let's jump right in, okay? We got a lot of things to get to. And some things, you know, we're not even going to get to until next week's episode. I'm not doing a 2018 review or a 2019 preview today. I'll be doing it in next week's episode, okay? Because that's going to have a lot of the best of 2018. And uh, what I'm looking forward to in 2019, the keep an eye out for type stuff. So that'll be a lot of fun when we get to that, but that's not going to be for a while. We have some extra one-minute movie reviews because I've been a busy guy. I've been seeing some movies. I got an extra special top five inspired by one of these movies that came out. And of course, my one of my favorite segments of the year, Burning Roses, is back because The Bachelor came back on Monday. It is right now, was it Thursday the 10th right now? So The Bachelor came back and... Uh, 
debuted during the national championship, and we'll get to that too. So, you know what? We'll go right into that with Jake News. First topic on Jake News, the national championship, okay? You had Clemson versus Alabama, one versus two. Uh, this is like the fourth time they've played, uh, the third time they've played for a national championship. Uh, you know, in the five years of the playoffs, they've played four times. It's pretty crazy. And going into the game, I kind of thought Clemson's a little young on offense. They're going to struggle with Alabama. I think they'll put up some points, but it might be a little too late. And Alabama has a very veteran team. They were the defending champions. But you know what? Clemson came in and they stomped all over Alabama. I think they won by 28, 29 points. And it was it was over in mid-third quarter. Didn't see it coming. It was a pretty crazy, uh, crazy finish to what was a not-so-spectacular year. You know, you had the Big Ten was a little weaker this year. You had Ohio State blow out Michigan. And uh, and and win, you know, decently in the Big Ten championship, which kind of men made the Big Ten out of the playoff. The Big Twelve was really just Oklahoma when it came down to it, and then Kyler Murray won the Heisman, and congratulations to him. The second straight year of an Oklahoma quarterback winning the Heisman Trophy, with Baker Mayfield winning the year before. So good to Kyler Murray, but then he st- uh, you know walks in against Alabama, and they lose by a couple touchdowns and. It's really, you know, okay, Alabama business as usual. And Clemson played Notre Dame. And Notre Dame, you know, they just didn't really do anything on offense. They lost 30-3. to It was really just an embarrassing showing by them. I mean, you know, a couple play. I know the Julian Love injury really hurt them. And they really had no chance of covering these superstar receivers that Clemson has, all that are freshmen and sophomores. And, uh, and Clemson's big plays ended up proving the big difference, you know, because Notre Dame, did they belong there? Maybe they weren't the third best team in the country. Their resume was pretty great. I mean, they were 12-0. and uh, We're going to look at to see if they need a 13th game going forward because I think Georgia would have given Clemson a much bigger push. But then again, Notre Dame lost by less points than Alabama did. So you you be the judge. I mean, uh, it it just seemed like this was Clemson's year, and everyone in the way, uh, you know, whether we wanted to believe it or not, Alabama was number one the entire year. You know, never really giving up that spot until the final, when Trevor Lawrence, the freshman superstar quarterback, kind of took control. And I tell you what, I don't like getting on the hype train. You know, I remember when Christian Hackenberg, as a freshman, was going to be a future number one overall pick. I remember when people told me Matt Barkley should have to, you know, should be able to come out a year early because we know he's going to go pro or he should sit a year, you know. People thought Matt Leinart was going to be a superstar. There are a lot of these cases of getting ahead of yourselves with college quarterbacks and college prospects. I don't think anyone's getting ahead of themselves with Trevor Lawrence. I think he will be a future number one overall pick because of just the talent that you've seen from him and the fact that this has been the guy for a couple years. Even when he was like a sophomore in high school, everyone knew this guy was going to be a superstar. So if you need a quarterback, go after some 2021 draft picks because, yeah, he's uh, he's going to be worth it. So that's, you know, the college football roundup. There, It was a fun season. I didn't watch as much as I usually do, but I did enjoy it nonetheless. All right, moving on. We have the NFL playoffs, right? Okay, so... We're now into the second week. 
Last weekend of the season, week 17, there were a couple spots up for up that were still up for grabs. The Eagles needed kind of a miracle to sneak in, and the Steelers, after blowing it the previous two weeks, needed a Browns victory to get in. So a lot of Browns fans were conflicted uh, because they didn't want to see the Steelers in, so they wanted to see them lose the Ravens. But I'm like, you know, that's bullshit. We go out there. Let's sweep the Ravens. It didn't happen. It was a good game. The Browns got out to a really tough uh, first half, but in the second half brought all the way back. Ended up losing the game by two, even though they had a chance at the end. And you know what? The Browns season, I'm going to get to them in a second, but they put up a good fight. The Ravens won the AFC North. Uh, the final game of the weekend was Colts versus t- uh, Titans. Colts beat the Titans because the Titans are kind of like a just a mediocre bunch. And the Colts rolled into the playoffs. They had to face Deshaun Watson and the Texans. And that offensive line of the Colts with Quentin Nelson, who was in first-team All-Pro as a rookie, Rookie of the Month in the month of October, Red Bank Catholic graduate. Those guys have been protecting Andrew Luck so well this year. Super, super job. Give them all the credit in the world. I give all all the credit in the world to Chris Ballard, the GM in Indianapolis, who said, listen, and I've been saying this too, ever since Andrew Luck got hurt again, and we go, you know, Indianapolis, it's very clear. What is the one thing they got to do? They got to protect Andrew Luck. This was two years ago. You know, Andrew Luck keeps on hurting his shoulder. You're going to waste this number one overall pick, your superstar investment. You need to protect him. And everything else will fall into place after you protect your prize investment. So what do they do? In two years, they go from one of the worst offensive lines to one of the best offensive lines in football. Now, part of it was the development of Costanzo and Kelly. And another part of it was finding a gem here or there, like Braden Smith in the draft. But they went out and they drafted Quentin Nelson in the first round. And then everything pieced together this year. They barely gave up sacks. They Andrew Luck didn't even get hit, it seemed like, for weeks on end. And you know what? It, it, they did exactly what they needed to do. They don't have a lot of superstars outside. They've got T.Y. Hilton, who's a good player. Eric Ebron had 12 touchdowns. Eric Ebron, 12 touchdowns? He's putting up Gronk numbers this year after having a career in Detroit that was just basically meh. So... You just saw plays coming from everywhere. They have a running back trio of guys that are like, yeah, they're okay. And they have Andrew Luck and a great offensive line. And they go in. They beat up the Texans. They now have to go play the Kansas City Chiefs in what will be the best game of the weekend. I am so excited to watch Colts Chiefs on Saturday to see who goes to the AFC Championship game. The Chiefs have been remarkable. Patrick Mahomes deserves MVP. He threw for 50 touchdowns this year, basically as a rookie. You know, he's, I mean, I think he's a little bit younger than Baker Mayfield. And, uh, you know, this is his first year starting. He had a year of sitting on the bench, but man, is he unbelievable. You know, he's got a cannon of an arm, puts the ball wherever it needs to be, and they have playmakers all over the field. It's going to be really exciting to watch those two quarterbacks go at it. And then in the other game, you have the New England Patriots, surprise, surprise, who got the two seed and the bye. They host the Los Angeles Chargers. My preseason Super Bowl pick was the Chargers over the Rams in LALA battle. It's still alive. Still can happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't mind seeing it. I am very much pulling for the Chargers this weekend. I think they're definitely going to cover the spread because I think they can go into Foxborough and win. This isn't going to be 
like the tuck rule game of like a blizzard. And Tom Brady is and and Rob Gronkowski and this offense, they're not the same team that we're used to. And the Chargers have been doing it on the road all year. This is going to be a very fun game. And I think the Chargers can upset New England. Uh, I think it's going to be a Kansas City versus Los Angeles Chargers AFC Championship game. That's going to be a lot of fun next weekend. I just hope it's anyone but the Patriots right now, to be honest. I'm I'm done with the Eagles from last year. I'm done with the Patriots from the last like 18 years. Over it. Let's end this stuff. Let's move on. Get some of the younger guys in there. All right. And this was the Chargers team that beat the Ravens. You know, Lamar Jackson has proven to be a wise investment for Baltimore. I don't know why so many teams passed on him in the first round. You're going to see a lot of Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield battles in the future to determine the AFC North. And I'm excited because I'd rather have Baker Mayfield 100 times out of 100. I know Lamar Jackson is exciting, electric, and can go 90 yards faster than anybody, but Baker Mayfield, a special man. He puts the ball exactly where it needs to be every time. And when it comes down to being a clutch QB, I think he's going to be a very clutch quarterback throughout his career. Okay, moving over to the NFC. The Eagles squeaked into the playoffs, and of course, they carried that momentum. They carried the veteranness of the team into Chicago and beat Chicago thanks to what was a tipped-slash-blocked-slash-missed field goal at with like 10 seconds left in the game. Poor Cody Parkey, who had been hitting the upright all season. He hits the upright and the crossbar and breaks the hearts in Chicago all over the place. I really do feel bad for the guy because... Kickers have missed kicks all season long, and the Chicago Bears should have won this game by more than you know three or four points. They they left points on the board all day, but they end up losing by two. You know after Parkey makes the practice field goal, which you know Doug Peterson smartly calls the timeout, and then he double doinks, which everyone's calling it now. And uh, you know poor Parkey, feel bad for the guy, but the Bears after cr- coming out of nowhere, a team that I picked to be the most improved team in the NFC. I picked the Browns to be the most improved team in the AFC, and I was right on both. Very pumped about those two picks. Uh, Browns went from zero wins to seven. Bears went from uh, like like maybe three or four all the way to the playoffs and winning their division. So big deal. Big, big bump from them this year. Um, and I think they'll be good next year, but they might regress a little bit, similar to what Jacksonville did this year and going from the AFC Championship game down to a top 10 pick again. On the other NFC game, you had the Cowboys hold on against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, this was just showing, you know what, we know what Seattle is at home, and on the road, they're a mediocre team. You know, they're Tennessee, they're the Steelers, they're Minnesota Vikings, they're just one of those meh teams. And the Cowboys are playing pretty good, and don't look now, but Dak Prescott, in his two career playoff games, lost a heartbreaker against the Green Bay Packers a a couple years ago, and then has a very good game against Seattle and beats them. You know, they're going to be a tough matchup in the next round, and I think they're going to give the Los Angeles Rams a really tough time. The Rams are the two seed. Facing the four seed Cowboys, I think the Rams might be on upset alert. If I had to pick one of the two NFC teams, I would definitely say them instead of the Saints. And you know what? I, uh, I I would watch out. The Rams did not finish the season all that strong. You look at their last month. All they've ever, all they do is beat up on weaker opponents. And then when it comes time to playoff teams, they struggle. 
Jared Goff has not played all that well in the second half of the season. And yes, they do have Todd Gurley, but if the Dallas Cowboys defense is better than advertised. They've got some pretty good DBs. If they could limit LA to in the 20s, I could definitely see them scoring on some big plays because the Rams give up way too many big plays. They are sloppy on defense. As much as they have some superstar playmakers, all-pro Aaron Donald, they have some cornerbacks that can really change the game. They take a lot of risks, and they go for a lot of jumps. And I don't know, maybe maybe Dak's not the guy that will take advantage of that, but I think Zeke Elliott and the running game might, and Amari Cooper might. So watch out for that one. I have the Cowboys at least covering the spread, but you know maybe not exactly winning. I think this does come down to L.A. versus the Saints. The Saints are a team on the mission. They played the Eagles not too long ago and beat the crap out of them. The Eagles are a different team right now. They've got all this momentum in the world, but I don't think they're going to be strong enough to beat the Saints. I think the Saints are the team of destiny this year. I think they win the Super Bowl over the Chiefs. And I think it's going to be a great game down in Atlanta. But Sean Payton's going to be the coach of the year. Drew Brees is going to be an MVP finalist. He doesn't deserve the MVP. He's not the most valuable player in the league. He wasn't even the best quarterback this year. You know, uh, I believe he belongs in the discussion. And uh, other podcast hosts like Adam Lefko really want to trash him a lot. And now it's become like a trolling game. But... I do believe he belongs in the discussion. I just think Pat Mahomes is the MVP because what he's done is more incredible. And uh, I think a lot of what the Saints do comes down to great coaching. And Drew Brees does exactly what Sean Payton needs him to do. I don't think every quarterback could go into the Saints and make them Super Bowl contenders. Okay, I don't think that's the case. I just think when it comes to MVP, it's not exactly Drew Brees. So I think the Saints get the job done against the Eagles. Uh... I, I And then I think we go into a Saints-LA NFC Championship game. I think that could be a very good one. I'd be excited to see that. But excited for football this weekend. This is new for me. You know, usually you know the Browns have a stinky season. And I don't like it. And I don't want to watch any other football. But the Browns actually had a good season this year. It has me paying attention. Mainly also because other sports are really sucking right now. You know, the NBA... Now that's up next in Jake News. NBA, I don't even want to look because the Cavs are a dis- just a terrible team. And even like their rookies aren't developing the way they should be. This could be a very bad rebuild that we're going into. The GM is making dumb mistakes where he's like doing illegal signings. It's it's I don't even want I don't even want to get into it. And the MLB, I mean, frankly, the Indians haven't added anything more than a uh Kevin Ploecki, a triple A catcher. You know, they keep on trading some good players. They got Carlos Santana back, but they lost Edwin Arcanacion, Yandy Diaz, Yonder Alonso. So they're saving a lot of money. Maybe they don't need to trade one of their aces, but uh, I mean, the Indians are supposed to be a team fighting to the world, win the World Series, and they are not doing much to get any better. Uh, they are leaving the door wide open in the AL Central. Fortunately, they're still the best team there. So anyway, baseball basketball not much to look for right now it's all football and uh it's exciting times right now to watch football and get into this young crop of uh of quarterbacks that have been a lot of fun to watch you know pat mahomes even mitch trubisky tech prescott have come on of late and of course deshaun watson baker mayfield 
Jared Goff even. There have been some some really surprising guys. Lamar Jackson won the AFC North. Um, yeah, I want to, I'll break the quarterbacks. I'll, I'll do that in the offseason. That seems more of like a dead of the summer type thing when uh, we're going into training camp. But uh, the Browns, you know, I want to get into the Browns for a second here. They finished real strong. They fired Hugh Jackson after 2-5-1. and one, And I talked to you a little bit about them at the time. I was very excited that they fired Hugh because the team was going nowhere with him. It almost seemed like Todd Haley was hired just to fight with Hugh, to show the dysfunction, to show that he's not a great leader, to show that this wasn't his team anymore. So John Dorsey pulled the plug. He made Greg Williams the interim head coach, which basically meant, listen, Greg's at the end of this year, he's probably going to be gone because he's not going to go back to being the defensive coordinator for the Browns under a new head coach. And there was a very small chance he was going to get the head coaching job with his track record, with the bounty gate and the fact that he hasn't been a head coach in a long time. And he's basically been a life lifer at coordinator position and probably will be considering the bounty gate and stuff. But what did Greg do? He came in. He made the Browns tougher. He made them wiser. You know, the penalties went down. They took care of the ball better. They protected their quarterback. Now, that's not on the defensive guy. That's more on the offensive guy. More on him in a second. But, I mean, the Browns became a good team. They finished 5-3. and three. Uh, They had a tough loss to the Chiefs in the first week of the Greg Williams era. Then they went on. They beat up the Falcons, the Bengals. They had a tough loss at Houston where they played sloppy, but they, they fought back in the second half. And, you know, hey, Houston's a good football team. So, no, uh, you know, nothing to be ashamed of there. And then they go in. They beat Denver on the road. They beat Carolina. They're still alive for the playoffs. Unfortunately, they get eliminated on an off day. And then they still beat up the Bengals again. They go 2-0 and sweep Cincinnati. They have a winning di- divisional record, winning record at home, have a chance for a winning record with the season at the end facing the Baltimore Ravens, have a chance to sweep the Ravens, finish with a winning record for the first time in forever. They finished just shy, but what you saw from this team was really exciting. And, I mean, if anyone tells you the Browns aren't going to be a good team next year, they're just not paying attention. And that happens a lot. You know, it happens a ton. You want to listen to a lot of the talking heads. The guys at Fox Sports 1 hate the Browns. And you know why? It's because they have a picture of the Browns in their head. And it's the low light reel that you see on ESPN, on SportsCenter. You know, where they show the drive, the fumble, Michael Jordan's shot, the shot of LeBron doing the decision, maybe Jose Mesa, maybe uh, Craig Council scoring the game-winning run in the World Series. There's plenty of things that they show in the Cleveland low right light reel. Art Modell moving the team. And that's what these guys think of when they think of the Browns. They think of classic Browns, all these coaches, all these quarterbacks. It never works. It always fails. This is what we do. We don't need to do our homework. And they get lazy and they just assume this. I'm looking at you, Colin Cowherd. You know, the guy, every chance he gets, and there's, there's he's not alone. There's a few others, but he's the one that... He is standing on this mountain, and he is living and dying with the the anti-Browns slogan. He doesn't believe in Baker Mayfield, which you know his now he backs off from because he said he said 
that Baker Mayfield at the draft was going to be a successful quarterback. Meanwhile, he was parading around saying undraftable and I would never touch this guy. He's too short. He's too small. Big 12. All, all the problems with him. He always point out the problems, never pointing out why he's going to be successful. So I don't know how much I want to believe him when he says that. He says, you know, they that the Browns also choked, or no, 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 not choked, got whacked by the Ravens. They lost by two. You know, he talks about Freddie Kitchens, the offensive coordinator, and he says that the Browns only hired him because of his cheekbones and his dimples and, like, because he's a good-looking guy. And I'm like, hey, no offense, Freddie Kitchens, but, like, he ain't GQ. Colin Coward just isn't doing his homework. He's refusing to learn about the Browns and educate himself because he's too busy looking at other things, trying to cover all of these different sports. So that's why you got to be careful when you listen to Stephen A. Smith talk about retired players on Kansas City and L.A. and how they're going to affect this game. Or how Colin Cowherd is still talking about old GMs that have been fired and what they do that's going to affect the Browns. It's like, it's enough. All right? Starting next, starting right now, you're going to have to pay attention to the Cleveland Browns. This year was like Rocky 1 for Cleveland. You know, they down in the dumps, not a whole lot to look at, but they got some inspiration and they kept fighting. And then they didn't win in the end, but everyone looked at them and said, uh-oh, we've got some competition now. They look at the Browns and they go, it's not, not the champ just yet, but someone we got to watch out for. That's going to be a problem. And they are going to be a problem because in Rocky Two, we know Rocky Balboa takes the crown, takes the belt, and wins at the end. I think that's what the Browns are going to be in 2019. I think they win the AFC North. I think they go 10 and six. They've got some tough teams. They're going to have to face Seattle. They have to face the LA Rams and the New England Patriots. And they still have the Pittsburgh Steelers in their way and the Baltimore Ravens in their way. But I expect some big things out of the Browns next year. Freddie Kitchens. Goes from offensive coordinator and the Baker Mayfield whisperer to head coach, which is what every Browns fan wanted to see. We have a formula that works. It's exciting. It is time to get excited for the Cleveland Browns. The turn is coming. This is another important offseason. I know I say it every year. Last year was huge. Year before was big. This one, they don't need to add a bunch of players. What they need to do is they need to develop the players they have because they're close and it's going to be a lot of fun and I cannot wait for the Cleveland Browns to come back this fall. How often do you hear me saying that? So, a lot in the NFL. Uh, the all-pro teams come out. You know, that was some real bullshit. I looked at, I looked at that. Tyree Kill made first-team flex, second-team wide receiver. How do they how do they still have this problem? You know, when it was Khalil Mack doing it, I was like, wow, I was very impressed. Now I'm realizing it's not impressive. It's just a stupid thing in the rules. If somebody's a first team all pro, make sure they're not second team all pro as well. This if the first team all pro flex shouldn't be second team eligible anymore. It's dumb. I mean, I already had a problem with the way they did the offensive line. And how instead of taking two tackles, they take left tackle and right tackle. I'm like, all right, fine. But that was at least understandable because it's a slightly different, it's a different position. But now that they're doing like flex, like, you know, 
Tyreek Hill had 140 rushing yards. It's not like he was like, you know, carving up the defenses. You know, I know he was carving up on uh, as a wide receiver, but just put him on there once. It's not it's not worth it. And JJ Watt, he gets on his D end and D tackle. That's just taking a spot from another guy who deserves it. And JJ Watt doesn't deserve to be on the All Pro twice this year. He is an All Pro. Make second team All Pro someone else. And of course, Derwin James, who was great this year and possibly the defensive rookie of the year. It's between him and Darius Leonard. But Derwin James, he doesn't need to be on there as a safety and then as a D-back. It's basically the same thing, okay? D-back just needs to be the next D-back up. They're just taking spots away from deserving players. And all pro teams are already very exclusive. You don't need to take away three spots to give three guys a second one. Anyway, that's just that's just my problem with it. Um, moving on. Oh, I, I did want to mention one last thing about um, about the Browns, and it's you know not just the Rocky comparison, but I want to thank Greg Williams. He coached them for for eight games. He took on the interim head coach job. He wasn't going to get the head coaching job afterwards, and I really appreciate what he did for the Browns. He took a very nice thank you out for the Browns fans and says he's going to be rooting for us and that we deserve a winner, and he is right. Greg Williams did what had to be done. He knew he wasn't going to be long for Cleveland, but he did the right thing and brought us back to our winning ways. I'm, I'm very happy with what he did, and very much like Sashi Brown did what had to be done for the Browns, Greg Williams died for the Cleveland Browns too. You know, Greg Williams goes into his Cleveland. He will forever be known as the guy who led us out of the dark and into the light and led us to the best second half I can ever remember for the Browns. Five and three, hot down the stretch. And just, you know what? The world is our oyster now. Very, thank you. Thank you, Greg Williams. Okay. So enough of Jake News. One, oh, sorry. One last thing for Jake News. And I just, you know, have you heard this one? Avengers. The title for the fourth Avengers movie is Endgame. I know this is like a month old now. I don't even know why I have this as a news article. But I just thought it's a very interesting coincidence that my theme song has been Endgame. And that, you know, they picked the Taylor Swift Endgame song as their theme song. No, it's not their theme song. Uh, but found it very interesting that Avengers 4 Endgame, I predicted it the morning of. And I looked at it, and I'm like, Avengers is going to be called Endgame, isn't it? Because of what Tony Stark said two movies ago, and that this is our Endgame. And then what uh, Doctor Strange said in Infinity War, that we're in the Endgame now. And the fact that it just felt like that, I thought, no, they wouldn't have the balls to say that. But they did. They did it. They did do it. I thought it was very fun. Good for them for going after it. And you know what? I don't even know if I want a second trailer. They gave us just enough in the first one. It just maybe just just don't do another trailer. People are gonna go. the The point of movie trailers is to get people interested in your movie. You have everyone interested in your movie. Don't do another trailer. People will go. You will make so much money on this movie. Don't put out another trailer. All you can do is basically hurt yourself at this point. Don't give anything away. Don't put out a Spider Man trailer. Don't put out anything for Guardians of the Galaxy three. Just let it go. And and. <laughs> Like, like Ray Liotta, people will come, right? All right? People will come. All right, that's enough of Jake News. Moving on to our next segment, Burning Roses. 
The Bachelor is back. Did not love the first episode of the season. Uh, I was just excited that it was back. I think this crop of girls, I don't see a villain. You know, I know everyone wants to say Catherine the DJ is going to be a villain. If she's the villain, she is a weak villain. I mean, all she did was steal him like four times. She didn't kiss him. She got to talk to him four times and she didn't kiss Colton, the bachelor, who you guys all remember was the virgin from last season from uh, you know, Becca. Kind of broke his heart. He thought, you know, he talked to, he had the bird and the bees talk with Chris Harrison right before the hometowns. And uh, yeah, she broke his heart a little bit, but he was a natural choice because he's a former football player. Everyone wants to see this story play out. I don't know the ending. I'm happy I don't know the ending. I don't want to know the ending. So if you do, don't ruin it for me. Me and my girlfriend watched this on Tuesday nights. We record it and then watch it the next day. It, don't ruin it for me. I, I, I'm excited to see how this plays out. So uh, the other thing is, you know, he he can be kind of like a pansy sometimes. He's cried a couple. We've seen him cry in Bachelor in Paradise, in Bachelorette. And we've seen previews that he's going to be crying. So I think that will make this season a little interesting is that when you have The Bachelor crying and freaking out and stuff, that sends the girls into just a whirlwind. So that's what I'm hoping for. But I don't think any of these girls have the star power of the villains of Olivia, of Corinne, oh, you know, and of our queen eyebrows. I just don't see the, you know, the star power coming from the villain side. I do have a top four, you know, my prediction. And, you know, this is really only because they gave the spotlight to five girls in the first episode. You know, had they spend more time, maybe I would have a different top four, five, top four. But, you know, right now, there's only a couple girls to go off of. So my top four will be Hannah G. She got the first impression rose, right? Uh, she had a nice first impression when she got out of the car. She gave him a box. It was empty, and she wanted to, like, start new. Um, but the box was supposed to represent his, like, favorite underwear, which is nothing because he doesn't wear underwear. So she was, like, you know, it was, like, a cute-slash-sexy thing that she was going off of. And they had a lot of, uh, they had, like, a deep breathing thing going on when they were talking. And he gave her the first impression rose. Uh, I didn't think that's who he was going to give it to, but I wasn't surprised because it did seem like they were clicking on like a deeper level. Okay, and then I would say she is by far the favorite right now, mainly because anyone who ever gets the first impression rose is the favorite. Okay, uh, number two, Kaylin. She is Miss North Carolina. Our second Miss whatever Miss America, you know, contestant in this year's competition. Uh, I knew about Miss Alabama going in. I did not know about Miss North Carolina. She had a very fun first impression moment too, gang out. She wore her Miss North Carolina sash and then flipped it over and it said Miss Underwood. It was very, very memorable. He was very into her right off the bat. He like, uh, you know, looked for her real quick when they were sitting down and like ran into a kiss with her like he couldn't wait so right off of the bat you knew she's going to be a contender she is looking over her shoulder a whole lot for episode one so i do think she's going to be a target of a couple of the girls and i'm excited to see her get into some shit so uh yeah kaylin miss north carolina is my second of the top four my third one is cassie she uh is from huntington beach california she's a surfer uh, she just seems fun and down to earth, and I think he's going to like that. She had another fun thing, like with the butterflies, uh, where she 
emptied a box of butterflies. They weren't, they were either fake or dead or something. And uh, she was like, let's get these butterflies out of here. And he kept one of the butterflies and then made like a look back at her when she walked away. I think that's significant. And I think they show those things for a reason. Uh, and they spend a lot of time on her, even though they didn't have a lot of time together, which also makes me think they want you to get to know this girl because they're going to be showing a lot of her going forward. All right. And my final number four would be one of the other girls that he kissed. He only kissed three. Katie, uh, Another thing about Katie is that she works out a whole lot. They gave her a little segment in the beginning of the episode, which makes me think they might have gone back to record that or added more to it. Uh, she works out a ton, and maybe that's something he'd be into. But he went in for a kiss. She was a little aggressive, too. When they sat down together, she was like practically on his lap. I think that comes into play a little bit. And, uh, hey, you know, let's... Let's not beat around the bush, okay? She is black. ABC does, you know, they've gotten in trouble for not having, uh, you know, contestants of different races go very far. They don't want four white girls. So if they can push Colton into keeping Katie around for a little bit longer than he might want, that's going to happen. So look, I, I'm not making the rules. I'm just playing by them. And I think, uh, I think Katie's going to be rounding out my top four. So should be interesting. We'll be talking about the Burning Roses coming up later, you know, each week a little bit here and there. But that's my top four prediction. I didn't listen to Kimmel because, to be honest, I don't want to listen to Kimmel because I think he knows who wins. And I think he tries to play it off like he doesn't know. And I'm tired of that. He might just be really good at picking it, but apparently he's picked seven out of the eight winners and I kind of think he knows. I just think he knows. And uh, sometimes they're a little predictable, the picks. I just don't want to know what he picks because then I'm going to be going in thinking, does he know and stuff like that. So I don't want to know. I'm not going to watch Kimmel uh, for that. All right, so enough Jake news. I know you guys are here for the real the real stuff. You know, We're not going to do NFL gambling. We're going to get back to what I built this podcast on. One-minute movie reviews, all right? Yeah. Have a couple this week. I actually could have done six, but I'm going to save two of them for next week. So I've got four. Three movies and one show, okay? So I'll, I'll do it as I usually do. I'll start off with a minute, and I'll jump in, all right? We're going to start off with Jack Ryan, the Amazon Prime show. Then we'll go to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Then we'll go Creed 2 and finish up with the mule. Okay. So, Jack Ryan starting now. All right. So, Jack Ryan, the first Amazon Prime show I've ever watched. Really quick, but super intense. They start off the first episode very intense. You got some, uh, it's all counterterrorism. You get to see a lot of Jim, the other side of the actor, John Krasinski. I am a big fan of this show. I really hope they come out with the second season. It was must-watch TV. You could watch it late, and it kept you up the whole time. I love a good counterterrorism show, and John Krasinski has been great. Uh, you know, ever since he left the office or the office ended, he's been fantastic. And this show was amazing. It's one of my favorite shows out there on TV right now. Uh, Jake Score, I give it two superstars. That's right, two superstars. I'm giving it. I really like the cast, and I think they can go off and do completely different things in future seasons. I don't think they have to stick to just this one topic. They can cover different areas. All right? Boom. All right, one minute. All right, number two this week, 
Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, all right? Award-winning show. They won the Golden Globe for Best Animation. Jeff Lowe, shout out for being the super, super Spider-Man stan this whole time. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was great. It was a cartoon movie, but the way they did it, they made it seem like a comic book. The illustrations and the artwork were fantastic. The characters were very funny and very deep. Uh, for a cartoon movie, they had a very cool plot of basically having different dimensions and different Spider-Mans, but they made it funny. Uh, they had a great cast, Nicolas Cage, John Mulaney, uh, and uh, was Idris Elba in it? No, but they had uh, Liev Schreiber, a lot of different people come in just for just scenes here and there. Into the Spider-Verse, great movie, five stars, a must watch for any Marvel fan, any comic book fan. So, uh, yeah. Boom. Okay, another minute. All right, next up we have um, Creed 2. Loved Creed 2. Uh, I was a big fan of Creed. I love the whole Rocky series. Uh, I think they've had some very great movies, but some bad movies. But Creed and Creed 2 have both been very good movies. It got a little slow. There were a little slow parts, but the characters are deep. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is fantastic in this. Michael B. Jordan is great. They are developing characters, like the bad guys, really well. They developed Victor Drago to make this movie look like it was a Victor Drago movie. That's how good this was. And they made you believe anyone can win. They made you side with the bad guy at times. Very good movie. The Ivan Drago return was really good. They had other surprise characters return. I'm not going to say you know who. Uh, I think sometimes they make it a little too um, mushy, or not mushy, but like uh, fan servicing. But five stars, 10.0 movie for the Jake is Creed 2. All right, that was three seconds over. Final one, The Mule. I watched it tonight. A heaping pile of meh. I mean, okay. I'm going to steal a little bit of Jeff Lowe, what he said about this movie. They didn't come out with their review yet. I think it comes out tomorrow. Um, you know, the lights, camera, bar stool guys, but I watched the Clint Eastwood movie, The Mule today. It is very old. Like the first scene, everything in that first scene, the first like 10 minutes is either, man, this guy is old, man, this guy is racist and man, Clint Eastwood is kind of done making movies. Uh, I thought it was kind of a waste of such talented actors like Clint Eastwood, Bradley Cooper, Michael Pena, uh, and uh, Jeff Gar—not Jeff Garcia, Andy Garcia. A lot of really good characters or uh, actors in this movie, and they didn't make these characters deep enough. I thought. I thought this was just another Clint Eastwood character. I felt like he was basically the same person as he was in Gran Torino. And uh, I think they could have done better considering the this was a really cool prospect of a movie. I thought it was going to be a lot better. It was not. I still would suggest to see it. Don't go to the theaters to see it, though. I would If you go to the theaters, go see Spider-Verse. Go see one of these Academy Award-nominated films. But uh, I, I gave this movie... I don't know. I, I'm going to give it like a 7. I thought it was good. I just thought, you know what? I built it up in my head to be very good. And uh, you know what? It, it, it just wasn't different enough. wasn't different. Okay, I know I went super over on that one, but that one was my real one-minute movie review. So I went 40 seconds over the allotted time. But it's my show. Fuck you, producer. This is me. 
I, I do this when I want. So uh, I will say the mule was good. I just uh, I had really high expectations for it. Uh, and that closes out my 2018 movies. You know, 2019 is going to be great. Got a lot of ones to look forward to. And I'm going to get to all of those next week. Uh, John Wick 3, Star Wars Episode 9, Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man Far From Home, Captain Marvel. I mean, those are just superhero movies, too. We also have Disney's coming out with Toy Story 4, Lion King. Dumbo's been lost in the shuffle. I'm not even going to see Dumbo next year. And you're going to have um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Lot, lots of characters in that. And it's a Quentin Tarantino film, which I, obviously I'm never going to miss that. So lots of films to look forward to in 2019. It's going to be a great year of movies. There's a Joker movie coming out. A lot of fun ones. We'll get more to that in the future. But for now, that was the one-minute movie reviews to finish out 2018. Next week, we'll be doing Bird Box and the TV show The Bodyguard, both Netflix originals. Uh, I'll get to those next week. Won't go into it now. But you know, this week's top five, my last segment of the week, uh, was inspired by a movie I was told not to see from 2018. A Rotten Tomato historically bad movie. Critics hated. You know, it was one of those public domain movies. You have Robin Hood. I didn't see that one either. You have, you know, 40,000 Leagues Under the Sea. You have some of these Disney movies like Jungle Book are all these public domain movies that have been done over and over and over and over again. This time, it was Holmes and Watson. And it was a Will Ferrell and John C. Riley movie. What could go wrong? Those guys nailed it in Step Brothers. Those guys nailed it in Talladega Nights. I mean, they've seemingly been side by side in many uh, projects, including uh, Drunk History and uh, not College Humor. Yeah, College Humor. Sorry, Funny or Die. Sorry. They've been together in a lot of works, and uh, I, I was. Going in with very low expectations. And then I was told, just straight up, don't see the movie. It is awful. So, that made me think, well, this isn't a Will Ferrell original character. Maybe that's why it's not awful. And then I thought, wow, well, Phil, Will Ferrell does great with original characters. Boom. This week's top five Will Ferrell original characters. Now, for stipulations, I got to go in. Not valid are impressions. I'm not going to count Robert Goulet. I'm not going to count George Bush, Harry Carey, or Neil Diamond. He's done plenty of impressions of characters that have been super funny. But you know what? I want the Will Ferrell originals. I don't want his take on someone. I want the Will Ferrell original characters. Okay. Also not valid. You know what? Doing SNL characters. I want big screen. I want movie characters. So I'm ruling out the old prospector Gus Chiggins. Who uh, that was an SNL skit that was very funny. Uh, or Dale Sturdivant, who did the dissing your dog videos. Because Dale Sturdivant was basically like every one of those infomercial characters Will Ferrell did on SNL. He did that character a lot of times. Or Steve Butabi, uh, one of the uh, guys, one of the brothers from Night at the Roxbury, which was a Saturday Night Live character. So, with that being said, here are my top, you know what? Since I've been gone for so long and since you guys have stuck with me through the thick and the thin, I'm going to make this one a top 10 Will Ferrell movie characters. All right. Number 10, Ron Burgie, Burgundy 
from Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Now, a lot of people would say, Jake, this is obviously like a number one, maybe number two answer. But in terms of the character Ron Burgundy, he was funny. But he like that movie was so funny because of, A, the cast they had around Will Ferrell was just as good as Will Ferrell. You know, Paul Rudd, David Kushner, uh, I mean, they Vince Vaughn show up for a second. They had Luke Wilson show up for a second. Ben Stiller show up. They had, you know, so many great actors, funny actors in that movie. And it was so quotable. It is one of the funniest movies, period. But Ron Burgundy, the character, eh, he was he was okay. But on the Will Ferrell list, he's number 10. Number 9, Big Earl from Starsky and Hutch. Uh, I get it. Cameo. Very small spot. But the time he spends on screen being like the weirdo pervert who's really into uh, Owen Wilson is unbelievable. You just got to watch the scene over again. And that character is hilarious. He's really into Owen Wilson in the scene. He's in jail and kind of like a hard ass, but also has like a soft side. It's very funny, and it's just Will Ferrell at his best when they basically just say, you're this guy, be this guy, do whatever, and, and that's why it's great. All right, number eight, Chaz Michael Michaels from Blades of Glory. Okay, so another one. Movie, not so great, but Will Ferrell was given the reins of being the bad boy of skating, which just that bad boy of skating phrase makes him belong in the top ten. And it wasn't going to go much higher from there because I thought, again, like Ron Burgundy, you know, it wasn't exactly the character that was so funny as much as it was some of the the Ron, the lines and the writing. Excuse me, the lines and the writing that he was doing. Uh, they made the character pretty funny. Being the bad boy of skating, though, was really the only highlight I liked of it. Okay, number seven, Ashley Schaefer from Eastbound and Down. Again. Not in a whole lot of Eastbound and Down, but he plays a car salesman in this nowhere town where Danny McBride is basically squaring off with Craig Robinson and his like former like big rival from baseball. And just the outtakes alone from the scene with Will Ferrell, who's wearing this beach blonde hair. And has these ridiculous colored glasses on. And is antagonizing these two guys to start a fight. And talking about feeling it down in your plums. Like it, it's such a ridiculous scene. But it is so funny. And it is so Will Ferrell. That it does deserve to be this high on this list. Alright. Number six. Brennan Huff from Step Brothers. Possibly Will Ferrell's funniest movie. I think, I mean, of the Will Ferrell and John C. Riley movies, it is the funniest they've done together. Uh, Step Brothers is so funny. Again, the writing but is great. But seeing Will Ferrell act like a child, but like be a grown-up at the same time and like develop a little bit in the movie, such a funny movie. Really great. Brennan Huff was, was my favorite character in the movie. Really good. Okay. Now, for the top five. Number five, we're going with Frank the Tank. Frank Ricard from Old School. Right. Well, um, it's 
stuff like that. Maybe Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. <laughs> oh man, I love that scene. I love those lines. Old school was a big one for me. It came out the summer going into eighth grade, which I think is really when you start to become your own person is that like seventh, eighth grade time. And Will Ferrell was hot in the streets at the time. Old school was a big movie for me. I thought it was so funny. And I just thought Frank, you know, Will Ferrell's character was so funny. How he starts out as like this, like kind of like whipped husband and throughout the movie just spirals downward. Such a funny movie. Old school is is a instant was an instant classic and remains one of comedy gold, at least in my lifetime. And it couldn't be done without Frank Ricard and uh, just how funny Will Ferrell was throughout that whole movie. It was it was great. All right, number four, little out there. Not a lot of you know this character, but going with Cord Hosenbeck. Most sophisticated animal. Create your own stunning website with Wix.com. Watch Cord host the. All right, so not much there in that Cord Hosenbeck skit. It's tough to really get a recording to to like capture his character, but he was a funnier die character. He was an original of Will Ferrell, and he's shown up everywhere. He was on the Macy's Day Parade, like Thanksgiving Day Parade. Or maybe that was the Ro- no, it was definitely the Rose Bowl parade. He was in. Uh, I, I mean, he does Wix commercials. I was almost gonna not include this because of the like you know SNL type thing, but he's taken Court Hosenbeck everywhere, and he's just this awkward, weird guy who's into basset hounds and parades and homemade things. It's very strange, but he's had some extremely funny. Cord Hosenbeck moments, and I think it's just, it's perfect for Will Ferrell because he totally just gets to do what he does best there, okay? So, um, so yeah, I'm a big Cord Hosenbeck fan, all right? Number three, and this is, this is a good one, Jackie Moon, Semi-Pro. Oh, man. First of all, Semi-Pro is such an underrated movie. People want to say it sucks like Blades of Glory, and that's not one of his top, but you have to go back and watch that movie. Semi-Pro is hilarious. And Jackie Moon is the reason it's funny, because he plays this like weird, misogynist, 70s basketball player, and... I mean, he's not good at basketball, but he's really funny throughout the movie. They give him these weird, like, tidbits, like he didn't actually write his, like, famous song that he, you know, was famous for, and he doesn't know how to shoot free throws, and he doesn't know how to throw up. They have a scene where they're all playing cards, and they all just act like these 70s a-holes. It's so funny. And it's such a good movie. It's so underrated. Jackie Moon is such a great character. And I think really doesn't get appreciated enough. So uh, that's why Jackie Moon is number three for me. All right. Now to the big dogs. Number two. Oh, man. This was this was really hard. I really wanted to put this one at number one. But number two, I'm going with Jacobin Mugatu from Zoolander. Not Zoolander 2. Zoolander. Hansel. So hot right now. I mean, okay, 
yeah, I could go with quotes for days on what Mugatu talks about. You know, creating the piano key necktie. Part of this is because Zoolander is just like one of my favorite movies of all time, and he was such an important part of that. Uh, Jakubi Mugatu is this crazy fashion designer who hires male models and brainwashes them into killing political figures. This was a ridiculous movie. I never saw the remake, or not the remake, the sequel. I don't want to see the sequel because I know it's just going to ruin a little bit of Zoolander for me. But man, Jakubi Mugatu is as funny as it comes. Zoolander's a great movie, but I realize without Mugatu, it's just like a meh. Like, if they had anyone else playing him, it just wouldn't be anything. Because he really made it his... I mean, he's technically a movie villain. It's so funny. It's ridiculous, but it's hilarious all at the same time. Uh, Alright. Number one, the moment you've been waiting for. There are plenty of characters this could be, right? Could be Buddy the Elf. Could be Megamind. He was funny in Megamind. What about Sky Corrigan? The superstar dream hunk? from Superstar. Uh, maybe it's Mustafa from Austin Powers or Detective Alan Gamble from the other guys. Nope, nope, nope. Number one is... Jazz? What the fuck do you want? <laughs> I'm John Beckwith. I'm friends with Jeremy Gray. Why didn't you say so? Come here, brother. <laughs> Jazz Reinhold from Wedding Crashers. Another real quick scene. He's got one at the end, but also one at like the bridge of the movie. And I mean, he... And a lot of people knew he was in this movie. I knew he was in the movie, yet I forgot. So when it came out and I wasn't expecting it, I was so happy to see him. He comes out of the dark. He has a long intro into it. And apparently he plays this veteran wedding crasher who wrote the rules of the wedding crashing game and has crashed thousands of weddings and basically, you know, handed down the reins to Vince Vaughn. It is, I mean, it's one of the most quotable movies ever. It's probably the most quotable movie ever. And such a big part of that is the fact that Will Ferrell, this guy in his mid-40s who lives in his mom's house, wearing a kimono, yet still brings home girls that he hooked up with at crashing weddings or at funerals, like hot girls too, like like babes. And yet, it, he makes it his own character. It's so ridiculous. It's such a funny movie. And Chaz Reinhold has talked about, even out of the movie, people talk about when crashing weddings and wedding crashers and weddings in general, they're like, Chaz Reinhold is a saint. And they mention that. My favorite Will Ferrell movie character. He is number one in my book. There are a lot of honorable mentions. I mentioned those. and You could go for days mentioning SNL ones or his impressions. But to me, I mean, I, that's a great top ten. Let me know what you think. Who is your favorite Will Ferrell character? If you don't like Will Ferrell, fuck off. Um, but you know what? None of you don't like Will Ferrell. Who doesn't like Will Ferrell? But anyway, that's my top five, my special top ten. Thank you so much for coming back to my podcast this week. You guys are real saints for sticking with me, even though I was a little busy with work, a little busy with moving in. Uh, I will be more on top of this as we go forward. Thank you for sticking with the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. 
And uh, soon I'm going to start time stamping this stuff so you guys know exactly when to skip ahead, when to pause, uh, <laughs> what episodes aren't for you. But thank you very much. I love doing this podcast. Happy 2019. Be good, y'all.